Is your cat a bastard? How is that related to race and genetics? It's not. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. The latest episode of Cut the Bull with Charles Love and Wilford Riley has a geneticist on to talk about race. His name is Razib Khan, and there's also another person on there named Tade Soaya. But it sounds like they might be given some stats, so I'll just repeat them here. I'll steal their stats. You know you cannot copyright um, numbers and statistics. Like if someone spends a million dollars and does a poll and finds out that 37% of cats are bastards, you can just report that. You can be like, 37% of cats are bastards, and the person who spent a million dollars on the poll cannot sue you. I just used that example because I got a recent kitten. And I thought I was always a cat person. Cats are always wonderful. This kitten, oh my God. Well, basically, I'm scared of him. This kitten is bullying me, literally. This kitten is bullying me like I'm having... Anyways, all right, some stats. So Khan, he does genetic testing, um, and he tested 2,000 ADOS, American descendants of slavery. So, you know, African-American, but, you know, not like an immigrant from Africa. Black, one kind of black, not the other kind of black. And he says that um, he got anywhere from 1% to 90% white DNA in these descendants of slavery. I guess we'll call them African-Americans. I don't know. Yeah, African-Americans versus Africans. But in any case, so he did 2,000 tests, and then he got someone who was 100% African. They had zero white DNA. And so he went, you know, he double-checked. He went to talk to the guy. He's like, you know, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You're the first person uh, who's of pure African descent. And the guy's like, oh, actually, I'm adopted from an African exchange student. I don't know if I mentioned. So the, the median amount of white DNA in ADOS African Americans is 20%. That means half of African Americans have less than 20% white DNA and half of... African Americans have more than 20% DNA. I mean, basically, median people, you know, I'm not going to go into it too much, but people will say the average, but the average can be skewed. Median is the correct um, statistic you want to go by. It's just not as famous as average. They should have named the median average and average median. And, like, you know, cut the bull. Uh, I mean, they are anti woke, but they're also, I don't know, they're funny. They're irreverent. So they're just joking about this stuff. It's pretty great. Great. But Razid Khan, like, the first thing, he's like, I'm the least white person here, right? Because Charles Love and Wilford Riley, they're uh, African-Americans. So he's like, you know, I guess he's uh, Khan. I don't know. He's some sort of Indian or Middle Eastern or something. And he's probably pure, whatever it is that he is. And so he's like, I'm the least white person here. And then they're, jo- they're making jokes back and forth. And Khan is like, I feel like I'm being microaggressed by people of partial European ancestry. Yeah, numbers can't be copyrighted, but I think jokes can. So I might be, I think I just stole a joke. I stole something right there. All right, they're mentioning phenotypes. Let's talk about genotype versus phenotype. So genotype, you know, it's like gene, it's like genetics, G-E-N prefix. Uh, Your genotype, that's your DNA. And then phenotype, it's P-H-E-N, and I don't know what that prefix means. But phenotype is how your genes express themselves. Like, as far as, like, race amongst humans, it would be how you look. But it could be... you got genotypes and phenotypes for, I think, all animals that have DNA. 
or organ plants, every anything that has DNA. Like you could have, a, you know, like a lion versus a tiger. They have different genotypes and different phenotypes. You know, a lion would just have lion DNA, tiger, tiger DNA, etc. Like it doesn't mean you're a different species or whatever. It's just it's just how you look at their genetics. I guess whatever you take a swab from a giant cat and you run it through the DNA test, and it's like this is a tiger genetics. And then phenotype is how they look different. You know, like lions are, well, they have a mane sometimes, and they're kind of a dust-colored beige. What color is a lion? Like if you wanted to paint your bathroom the color of a lion, and you, what, what would you ask for at the paint store? I mean, they, they always give them funny names. Something, I guess it'd be like dusty sandstone or something. Anyway, so that'd be the phenotype of a lion and then a phenotype of a tiger would be like oh they have uh you know stripes but so khan is saying like you know they didn't have uh dna testing a long time ago like race the idea of race was invented before dna testing and so sometimes that stuff matches up you're like oh you know a black person has dark skin and a white person has light skin and that's how you tell them apart but actually when you get into the genetics that stuff is not always true. Sometimes the genetics will uh, show that whatever that people thought about race, you know, 100 years ago, ain't ain't right, ain't correct. And Khan, he calls it, you know, what, what, what did you do before genetics were actually understood? He calls that folk biology. And so non-Africans are a monophyletic clade. Like basically everyone who does not have any African DNA they can all trace their DNA back to a single little group that left Africa 60 to 80,000 years ago. I forget what clade means, and I don't, definitely don't know what monophyletic means, but mono obviously means one, so this means, you know, clade must be a group of humans, and then mono means coming from one common ancestor or group of ancestors. Yeah, okay, so this is the example why folk biology is not correct, because, like, Australian Aborigines, I think they're darker than, they're darker than most Africans, you know, like, yeah, Africans, not African Americans. I mean, they're darker than them too. They're darker than almost anyone. But anyways, like I say, everyone outside of Africa is from a little group that left Africa. There are no, there are no Africans outside of Africa, except for in modern times, you know, when they invented the boat and the airplane. But so Australian Aborigines, they are not Africans even though they got dark skin. So folk biology would have a big fail when it looked at them. It would call them black or African. I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what those folk biologists a hundred years ago would be up to. Damn racists. And Conan is talking about an example. Um, like, you know, outside of like DNA and genetics, it's kind of just, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? There's no, whatever. There's no hard, hard and fast rules. Anyways, he mentions his friend. He has a friend. An African-American friend who's half Jamaican and half um, white. I think he's 40% African and then 50% white and then 10% something else. And he lives in America and he has a big afro. And so in America, like, you know, he's he's considered African-American, he's considered black, etc. But because he, he whatever, he, he has family in Jamaica, so he goes to Jamaica to hang out. One day he uh, he went to the beach... But it was after he had shaved his head. He'd shaved his afro off. And there was a bunch of, like, black Jamaican men who were like, white mon. And he looked around. He was like, where the hell's the white mon? And he's like, oh, it's me. So 
So obviously, different people will have different criteria uh, on the on how your phenotype is related to your race. You know, your looks. Let me tell you, these guys are anti-woke. So they're like, well, why does he wear an afro when he lives in America? And he's like, because he wants to look black. People wouldn't instantly see him and think he's black otherwise. And obviously, I mean, they don't say this, but it's better to be black. It's all things being equal. It's better to be black. You know, if you can pass as black, hell yeah, you pass as black. I mean, for one, the chicks dig it. Although not the Asian ones. All right, don't get me started. And then Khan's talking about another uh, friend of his, just a totally ordinary looking white guy. But this guy had been told by his, I don't know, grandma or something, that there was some Native American in his ancestry. And so Khan, he can whip out a genetic test for anyone he wants real easy. I think he, I think he was at MIT or something. But it's like, all right, let's, you know, let's find out if he got any Native American. And what it turned out was he had a little bit of African in him. And I think this is from the South. I mean, the South had a ton of Native Americans. I don't know, you know, like the Seminoles. A lot of the most famous um, Native American tribes were from the South. And there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, Native American tribes that had like slaves. They treated, uh, I talked about it before. I think it was the Seminoles. Anyways, they were the Cree or the Creek. Anyway, someone in Florida, like for a while there, the slaves would run away to Florida and then they could be an equal participant in Native American society in Florida. And then after a while, they were like, oh, you know what? You can, you can own these black people. Why don't we just own these black people instead of, instead of letting them join? And then all of a sudden, uh, if you ran away to Florida, it wasn't so uh, hospitable. And so I'll say, it's been a long time. Like I've, It's been a long, long-ass time since I heard someone say, oh, yeah, I got a little bit of Indian ancestry. I feel like when I was a kid, I mean, I'm from a rural, white Oregon. When I was a kid, it would be like the late 70s early 80s, but I feel like when I was a little kid, um, occasionally, you know, at school, grade school, whatever, you'd hear, you'd hear someone tell you, oh yeah, I'm, I'm part Indian. We called them Indians back then. And it makes you think of Elizabeth Warren, she's a Democratic senator from Massachusetts who ran for president. People really like her. I mean, I do not like her, but anyways, some Democrats really, really like her, you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, Joe Biden are obviously much bigger deals, but she was a pretty big deal. And in my opinion, she got she she was a nobody. She was like a housewife until her until she was thirty or thirty five or something. Then she went to a middling um, law school, and then all of a sudden, she was a law school professor at Harvard. Now the way you get a job as a professor at a high ranking university is a little bit complicated. Well, it's not that complicated. Basically, here's how you get a job at a high-ranking university. Either you come, you get your degree from some other Harvard, sorry, uh, other high-ranking university, you know, so Yale hires people who graduate from Harvard, Harvard hires people who graduate from Yale, you know, Stanford, etc. Or if they're looking for women, then maybe you can come from a shittier school, because you're, but you're a woman, you know, like, that doesn't apply to law school, but that applies to you know, mathematics, physics, engineering. Like, I forget. I think there's like 114, don't quote me, Division One schools in America. And there's a little, you know, there's a few other, anyways. So let's say, let's just say there's 150, uh, like, relatively high-class universities in America. You know, this is going to include, like, University of Oregon, University of Arizona, plus Harvard, Stanford, etc. Well, if you want to teach at Harvard Law School, then you better have a law degree from a top 10 school. And that's basically Ivy League. And, you know, like, say you want to be a math teacher at Harvard. Well, 
either you need to be a you know if you're a white male then you need to, you need to have a degree from a top 10 school and have something else going for you something called research so you need to be you need to be a research star as well but say you want to be a math teacher at Harvard and you're a woman I think then you just need to be like a top 50 a top 50 school graduate and all of a sudden Harvard's like we ain't we got you know we got one one out of 20 of our professors is a woman you're in I mean it's basically affirmative action it's affirmative action for the professors, which is, which is uh, interesting, but here's the point: to come from a top fifty law school and then become a professor at Harvard, being a woman is not enough. There's tons of women um, lawyers in in America, even when she started, I don't know, twenty years ago or something. But anyways, let, let me tell you what the holy grail is: the absolute rarest unicorn possible is a Native American. There just ain't none, and so. She used to like wear her hair like black and straight and down. And when she did that, she kind of looked Native American. She's like, oh, you got long, straight black hair? You look Native American. I mean, she's white as hell. But anyways, that's how she got her job at Harvard. I mean, that's my opinion. You can't prove it. They've, uh, I think they have gone back and tried to interview the people who hired her. And they're like, oh, no, no, we don't ever choose anyone on race. You know, even though every single person they choose is, well, everyone who's not white is, ba- is chosen based on race. And then it was kind of funny because, like, you know, uh, Trump was calling her Pocahontas. I guess she was running in 16 as well as 20. And so I don't know why the hell she did this. You know, basically, don't ask, don't tell, or whatever. What, what people don't know won't hurt, you, won't hurt you. But she went and did a DNA test. And I think she came back one, th- one 1,024th um, Native American. So she did have a little bit. I mean, I think that means, like, 10 generations back. There was a Native American in her family tree. One. One. You know, one out of the thousand people <laughs> in her genetic tree was Native American. And I guess 999 or whatever. 1,023 of them were white. One of them was Native American. I mean, by that criteria, she probably, there's probably, you know, 1,024 ancestors. There's probably a black, there's probably an African ancestor in there somewhere. I mean, she could have been black. At that, you know, at that criteria, be whatever the hell you want. I mean, hell, I think I got, I think I got that much Jewish in me. My aunt had her DNA tested. And I think she was like one one hundredth Jewish or something. So that means I'm one two hundredth Jewish, most likely. Of course, universities don't give you any credit for being Jewish. In fact, they're like, we got too many Jews. All right, back to whatever I was talking about. I don't even know now. All right, now they're talking about Indian DNA, like South Asian DNA. This is something I'm very interested in. I live in Oregon, and I was reading some Oregon newspaper article the other day, and there's something where maybe like the top 10 high school students get a $2,500 um, scholarship that they can use for any college that they go to. And I assume they were not using anything other than like grades and text, test scores to choose these people. They didn't have pictures for all 10 of them, but I think they had pictures for seven of them, and like one was an East Asian girl... Uh, I think three were white kids and three were Indian kids. And all but one of them came from the Portland area. Um, like, none of them are rural. No, there ain't no rural white kids, no uh, yokel hicks getting in on this stuff. But I believe that uh, genetics, you know, it's nature and nurture. There's two things that'll affect a kid's life, and they are nature and they are nurture. And one of those, nature is genetics. Nurture is, you know, how you're raised. You know, maybe your parents, maybe the neighborhood you grew up in. 
But I've definitely seen that some Indian people from India Indians um, just punch above their weight. Like, I think, was it Microsoft, Twitter, Google, and one other of the super big uh, tech companies, they all have Indian ancestry CEOs now, for instance. Like, a lot of them were started by Jews, and then when the Jews, you know, the founders are like, I'm so goddamn rich, I don't need to, whatever, I, I want to go, I want to, I want to go chase the muff around. I need someone to run this company while I'm not around, and uh, they'll choose an Indian person, you know, like an engineer or a programmer. And that may or may not be news to you, dear listener, um, but like, I want to know more, because in India, like, India has frickin', I guess basically, Africa has people, you know, they have people that are more different than a Chinese person is from a white person. And India also has people that are very, very gen- genetically different. Like, you know, they would, you'd only marry amongst your group, right? You do this for thousands and thousands of years. You end up being a different kind of person genetically than, uh, you know, the person next door. Or maybe, in, you know, in the, in the, whatever, down the road a hundred miles. And so, like, in Africa, they, you know, they call them different tribes or whatever. Um, you know, in Europe, you might be like, oh, that's a German, that's a Finland person. But uh, in India, they got the caste system. Like, I think in a lot of ways, you know, racism or whatever, um, being mean to people based on <laughs> something they can't control, how they were born and how they look and who their ancestors are and how they were raised, maybe what their religion is. Like, India does not fuck around. I mean, they're still doing it. They're still doing it. You know, they'll they'll burn a Muslim alive if they can get their hands on one every once in a while. And maybe the Muslims will get a little back at them, too. But in any case, India has this caste system. And I knew it was genetic, but I never had confirmation until this guy just mentioned it. Like, it isn't just your average Indian who's, like, moving to America and becoming the CEO of Google. All right, let's go through the Indian caste. I think there's four castes. I don't remember them all. The top one is the Brahmin, and the lowest one is the untouchables, which is, that must be an Indian word. I don't know what. Brahmin is obviously not an English word, and untouchable is obviously an English word. But anyways, at the top you got the Brahmin. At the bottom you got the untouchables. And then there's a couple of them in between. And I think the Brahmin were the religious people. Right below that was the um, merchants slash business people. Below that, I don't know what it was, and then below that was the untouchables. And I think untouchable meant, you know, they were so disgusting, so low. You know, it was kind of like, kind of like slavery. They weren't slaves, but they were treated bad. Anyways, they were so low, you wouldn't even touch them. Like, you know, you touched one of them, you know, cut off your hand. I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. I mean, maybe it was like, hey, Brahmin men, we need to come up with a system here so you don't go around having sex with a whole bunch of untouchable women and diluting the Brahmin brand name. That'd be my evolutionary guess on why they did that. But anyways, untouchables. And, you know, surprise, surprise, as you go up the caste system, the skin gets lighter. And as you go down the caste system, the skin gets darker, on average. It makes it hard to jump from the untouchables up to the other one. You're like, oh, you moved to a new city. You're like, I'm not untouchable. I'm a... I'm a third. I'm a third rank, you know, caste system. They're like, I, you're too dark. No, nope, you're an untouchable. All right, I'm just gonna throw in a clip here because he says coconut and comma, and I doesn't sound like either one of those things is something a white man should be saying. I'll just let I'll let this uh, non-white man say it. Well, then let you guys run. Yeah. Um, I have a friend. He's um, and you know, I mean, 
I've told the story before, so I can tell it. So he's Indian-American. He grew up in the United States. He doesn't, I mean, he's not a total coconut, but um, he's going back to India and stuff. But, like, you know, he was raised in the States, right? So he's like, tell me what you can tell me about your genome. And I'm just like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, are you comma? And he's like, what is that? And I'm like, ah, it's just like a cast in Andhra Pradesh. And he's like, well, that's where my family's from. And so he calls his mom, and he's like, hey, what's a comma? And she's like, that's the cast you are. So you get the idea. And he's saying, he's saying Indian people are an- endogamous. I don't even know what that means. I think that means you didn't, mi- you didn't race mix or... You know, in America, you're like, ah, oh, you're all not white. But over there, they had uh, probably broke it down a hundred different ways. And they're like, you don't race mix. And they did it for th- for thousands of years. I mean, basically what I was saying. But he's saying the same thing that I said. I was right. I was right, people. God damn it, I was right. Okay, I'm obviously getting too high on my own supply here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do a, a episode two, but I think, whatever. I listened to 10 minutes of it. I made a 20-minute podcast about it. Look out for a number two, or maybe no more ever again. I'm gonna listen. To, I'm listening to something else. Twitter handle at anti woke podcast, and thanks for listening.